My Black Counts is a podcast series produced by the Center for Community Engagement, Environmental Justice, and Health, with assistance from WYPR. We are thrilled today to have Marvin Hayes with us. Marvin is part of the Baltimore Compost Collective, a local service that collects food scraps for residences in Baltimore neighborhoods and compost material at the Filbert Street Community Garden in Curtis Bay. I've been there several times during my work in Curtis Bay, where it's used to grow fresh produce and build urban food security, everyone. Baltimore Compost Collective is also a youth entrepreneurship program that employs local teenagers and trains them in workforce skills, food access programming, and community-scale composting. Youth workers are gaining guided, hands-on experience managing a small-scale composting operation and its expansion. Welcome to Mob Block Counts, Marvin. Thank you for joining us. Please tell us about yourself and how you got started in the food justice space, sir. Uh, thank you for this amazing opportunity. Before I get started, I have to make a disclaimer. I'm a long hauler of compost fever, so it is my deliberate intention to give each and every person within my ear compost fever through the variant of education. The Baltimore Compost Collective is a youth-led food scrap collection service serving the amazing Filbert Street Garden. Those who follow me know I call it the Wakanda of South Baltimore. One of my favorite quotes, uh, in times of crisis, while the foolish build barriers, the wise build bridges. We have been that bridge for South Baltimore and for Recycle More Baltimore City by providing jobs for youth in small-scale composting where they go around to about eight communities in Baltimore City and pick up buckets of food scraps. This year, we have diverted over 23 tons from going into the landfills and incinerators. And we bring that back to Filbert Street Garden, and we make soil enhancer for those residents who live in a food apartheid neighborhood to be able to grow healthy food. The residents that participate at the Filbert Street Garden have to go about an hour to get to a market that's not filled with GMOs and processed food. So we have amazing opportunity to feed the soil and feed the community. This is powerful. You got food apartheid, man. You got medical apartheid. You're talking about environmental injustice issues as well. You think about food injustice. You think about these issues around waste, right? You're talking about food scraps. And when you Take that waste to the incinerator, which is in the Black community in Curtis Bay, right? Bresco incinerator. It impacts, you know, air quality, right? So we talked about Baltimore's air quality. We talked about some of the poverty issues, not by accident where you got poverty and poor folks, right? It's not by accident where you have redlining. Baltimore is the birth of redlining in the U.S. of A. And all the environmental challenges. Can you share with us, you know, how the Baltimore Compost Collective works and speak more about the benefits of composting as it relates to air quality issues, as it relates to, you know, environmental justice issues, economic empowerment, just benefiting the folks in the city of Baltimore. Dr. Lawrence Brown talked about uh, green lining. Uh, along with redlining, they are green lining where these toxic organizations, toxic companies are put in certain areas of color. In Curtis Bay, we have a landfill. 
We have two incinerators, one the Bresco incinerator, John Hopkins burns their medical waste. John Hopkins gets money for uh, asthma and cancer research and for asthma and cancer treatment, but they're burning their waste right in Curtis Bay. Along with that, we have the CSX coal pile, chemical companies, kerosene companies, uh, which are polluting, causing Baltimore City $55 million in damages, when the alternative to burning our organic material, 75% of Baltimore City municipal waste can be composted or recycling. It is 2023 why we aren't diverting that material from going into the landfills and incinerators. So we went on a composting mission with the trained youth on small-scale composting so they can divert that material from going into the landfills and incinerator and turn it into beautiful black gold soil enhancer for residents to be able to grow their food. We provide soil enhancer for over 47 raised beds that residents that can rent to grow their own food. And we also provide soil enhancer for a greenhouse as well at the Filbert Street Garden. Our youth become environmental justice advocates to teach youth in their community and residents when they put their trash out, where it goes, what happens to it, and how it affects. Like you said, they put these incinerators in poor neighborhoods, but the wind does not segregate or discriminate, so we all are breathing in bad air. Uh, a lot of people aren't aware that trash comes from Howard County and Baltimore County and New Jersey and Delaware and Pennsylvania. Would they allow Baltimore City waste to be burnt in Howard County and Baltimore County? The answer is no. So I ask you, how long will this environmental injustice last? Why do we have to breathe in coal and carbon dioxide and methane gas? And this has been happening for history. So what we want to do is empower our youth. I know I have more time in back of me than in front of me. So I want to inspire the next environmental justice leaders, the youth that work for the Baltimore Compost Collective that are taking this organic material and diverting it so it doesn't have to be burnt or burned. Powerful statement. Uh, one of the icons of the environmental justice movement, Dr. Robert Bullitt says, some folks don't have the complexion for protection. What you just said, Marvin, some folks, they don't have the complexion for protection. They got the complexion for incineration. You know what I'm saying? So you got the complexion being dumped on, right? Whether it be the incinerator, whether it be the diesel truck traffic. You talked about the CXX facility. You had a coal pile explosion, right? Y'all don't know out there in the audience, they had an explosion at the facility. Why? Because methane gas had built up, okay? So this is what you saw about in the community of South Baltimore. We got young people, elderly, you know, children. People have been exposed to, as Marvin said, these contaminants that impact human health. So you talk about the red line and green line. Marvin's talking about going from, that we use another term called sacrifice zone. You want to go from a sacrifice zone to a green zone, right? You want to go from a risk gate, what they're trying to do with compost, into a health gate. So I think you make a powerful statement about the power of youth too. Once you talk about this, Marvin, the fact that young people, you got the South Baltimore Community Land Trust, but the, the group that was before that was the Free Your Voice. Can you talk about their work a little bit, Free Your Voice, and their work in South Baltimore before we keep moving on some of the questions, Marvin? Yes, yes. I caught compost fever about seven years ago. A young lady by the name of Destiny Warford and a young brother named Charles who were essential with them not building another incinerator in Curtis Bay. They stopped them from building that incinerator. What I know 
that I would be having one of the solutions because we know the alternative to trash incineration and landfill use in this composting. So I was able to work with these young people from Ben Franklin High School. I am currently, we train all the youth from the Free Your Voice program and composting at the Filbert Street Garden. So all of those youth have tools in their toolbox to be able to do composting without having an urban rabbits or an older problem. So we thought it was essential to give the youth a solution on how we can kind of combat this environmental injustice that's happening in Curtis Bay and all over Baltimore City. You know, I must read uh, my good partner and one of the teachers for the Free Your Voice program and a member of the South Baltimore Land Trust, Miss Nicole Fabricant has just wrote a book called The Race Toxicity and the Rise of Youth Activism in Baltimore Fighting to Breathe. Uh, in that book, we are humbled and blessed to have a section in there called Compost Learn So You Don't Have to Burn. When I created Compost Learn, and the whole slogan is Compost Learn So You Don't Have to Burn, Start the Incinerator, Feed the Soil, Feed the Community. We know when people know better, they do better. And if we educate our youth to compost when they're young, they will always compost. And we have to give them solution as well as let them know about the issues that we face when it comes to environmental justice in Curtis Bay, Brooklyn, and Baltimore. So I've been so blessed to work with South Baltimore Land Trust youth who submitted the zero waste plan for Baltimore City that just needs to be implemented. These young people actually worked on a zero waste Yes, sir. That. Explain that to our audience. What's the zero waste plan all about, sir? So the zero waste plan, we know that we cannot get Baltimore to 100% zero waste, but our goal is to move them to 90% where we're, number one, we're composting. We're using all type of sustainable methods to be able to deal with our waste in South Baltimore and all over Baltimore City. Um, introducing curriculums in Baltimore City where youth will have curriculum that will address composting and recycling because we know both of them work hand in hand. The city just passed out these big blue recycling cans without having any signage or education on there or any type of uh, signage that says what can go in these recycling bins. So we are committed to move Baltimore City towards zero waste. Those are some amazing young people. I would suggest that everybody goes to their website to see the amazing work that they're doing. They are doing some great work when it comes to environmental justice for the city of Baltimore. Spitting the knowledge, man. These are all things, you know, as an environmental justice, you know, scholar and advocate, I love what y'all are doing in South Baltimore. You know, I started working with Free Your Voice back in 2012. And you talked about people shipping their waste from other states into Baltimore. We need to stop that. We talked about burning, diverting, 75% of Baltimore City municipal trash can be composted, recycled, or reused. That's a huge number. The power of youth. We have a environmental literacy mandate in the state of Maryland. We were the first state that had a environmental literacy mandate. We should have composting in K-12 education. We should have environmental justice in K-12 education, right? The things that y'all are doing should be a model. For education, because also you're talking about economic opportunities too, right? For these young people to get these skills they can use down the road. I just want to just make sure we emphasize the great work that's happening in different ways that it can impact communities. Can you dig in a little bit more 
as it relates to what this garden means. Tell us more about this Filbert Street Community Garden, because it sounds like it's just not about the garden. It sounds like cultural wellness. So talk about its impact it's had on the community and also on promoting food justice for us. Okay, the Felber Street Garden, once again, I call it the Wakanda South Baltimore. We are this beautiful oasis that sit right in the heart of Baltimore City. When you pull up to Felber Street Garden, you're greeted by our rescue cat from Barks, Pumpkin Spice, along with my other food justice rescuers, my 12 miniature Nigerian dwarf goats who the students from Curtis Bay Elementary School during COVID, it became ritual to bring over all of that material. I don't know if the audience is aware of share tables. Share tables are where when our children, because they haven't had access to fresh fruit and vegetables, they don't eat their carrots. They don't eat their broccoli. They don't eat their apples. Some do, some don't. But those material would go into the landfills incinerated. Now they come over to the Filbert Street Garden to feed them to our goats. All of the pumpkins that we collected throughout Curtis Bay, we feed them to the goats. We have a beautiful, amazing living classroom where we teach animal husbandry, where we do beekeeping classes. Of course, we do composting classes in partnership with the city of Baltimore, where the growth center provides green garden, home composting systems. And when you attend that training, you get a green garden earth system to take home. This is an enclosed system because once again, we don't want the myth of composting to be that if you don't do it right, you create urban rabbits and odor. So we want to give the city the best tools for their toolbox when it comes to composting. We provide soil enhancer for 47 residents who would not have an opportunity to grow their fresh food. Our garden is community run and operate. We have nannies for our animals. Welcome, take care of our animals. Rescue all of our bees. When 311 gets a call for a swarm, we rescue all those bees, bring them back to Filbert Street Garden, and that allows the garden to be sustainable. We sell that honey to help take care of all of our livestock and our landscaping needs. So we are sustainable place that we are feeding the soil and feeding the community and it's all community run and operated where the elders come in and teach the young people how to grow in rows how to section their garden plot so where to put the okra where to put your lettuce where to put your beans and we're growing some amazing things and with our animals we have shuttling sheep where we grow an indigo with a partnership with the aquarium and we can share that Shetland sheep and use that wool and dye it to make blankets and other clothing. And we have about 20 different varieties of chicken and ducks so we can have an opportunity to expose youth to agriculture by having an omelet garden where they would grow everything they need for omelet in the omelet garden, green peppers, tomatoes, garlic, all different other types of herbs to put in there. And then they can use the actual eggs, real eggs, that come from chickens who are free range, where they learn about the difference between duck eggs and chicken eggs. So Filbert Street Garden is essential for the community. And once again, a bridge for that community. And before I forget, we also have, along with us being in a food apartheid neighborhood and being in a, one of the most toxic areas in Baltimore City, we're in an internet apartheid neighborhood. So we have filbert.net 
where residents have access to our Wi-Fi on a two-mile radius. And we are building a pavilion where our young people can come do their homework under our therapeutic because it's so peaceful at the Philbin Street Garden while you're doing your homework. You have chickens running across your feet. You hear the goats behind in the background. So this is therapy. This is a very healthy space for residents that deal with a lot of trauma in this disfranchised neighborhood. Again, you are spitting knowledge, man. I mean, you said therapy, cultural wellness, people who are trying to overcome, you know, dealing with trauma. And then you just really got into how the, just the multifaceted nature of the work you're doing. You talk about bee swarms and you're going to go save the bees and bring the bees back to make sure you're making honey and making sure that the garden is sustainable. So I think you said earlier, as far as interview about Wakanda, and I call it making Wakanda real. Y'all made Wakanda real. You made an ecotopia real. So, I mean, I think that impact is evident. One of the things I want to kind of dig in more, and you talked about youth a lot already. Can you just share more about what this program means to youth in Curtis Bay, youth in South Baltimore? Yeah, so when you're composting and you put your food scraps in the bucket, sometime when you open them up, there's a little older organic funk that comes from there. But once you put it through that process and add carbon rich material to that nitrogen rich material and, and water, it turns into this beautiful, beautiful black humus called black gold. The same way that we put those food scraps through a process, we put our youth through the process, through the same process. Sometimes my youth come to me, they don't have a birth certificate, social security card. They don't know how to do a resume or a cover letter. They've never done public speaking. They don't know how to do an elevator pitch. So we work with our youth with life skill, card to add development. I have amazing youth, Mr. Kenneth Moss, who's currently working with me, who's been working for the Baltimore Compost Collective for the last past five years. He is 19 years old now, and he has not missed a day or been late for work and is committed to diverting that organic material. I don't know a lot of adults who would wake up every Sunday morning at 7.30 to go pick up organic material and bring it back to the Filbert Street Garden. Kenneth grew his first tomato at the Filbert Street Garden. And now he is a youth environmental justice advocate. And he has an opportunity this week to go to the USCC, the U.S. Composting Council 2023 Community Composting Cultivating Forum and debut his video that he produced with Mr. Bashi Rhodes about his work with environmental justice, food justice, and social justice in Curtis Bay. So we put our young people through a process the same way that we put those food scraps through a process so that they can shine and be the next environmental justice uh, leaders for Baltimore to take this movement to the next step. We are that compost caboose that's pushing Baltimore City. We're in the back of the train, but we're pushing Baltimore City towards zero waste. Kenneth started his own business called Kenneth Catches, just a kid with a camera at the age of 15 from learning the entrepreneurial skills from the Baltimore Compost Collective. Now he's Kenny Capsis, just a young man with a camera. We have had opportunities for him to work with Z Cohen as a mad fellow where he worked with him in the summertime after giving him a tour to work with his constituents with their 311 complaints. 
also got him connected with the New Generation Scholar Program, where he had an opportunity to go to St. Croix to learn about the African diaspora through videography and photography. And now he's sewing it right back by making his own video about his work that he does with the Baltimore Compost Collector. So it is a blessing. We have had seven youth in the program. All of them have graduated from Ben Franklin High School. Two have mm -hmm. their own businesses and three are still doing environmental justice work. So I tell all of us older people to pass that torture along. Give those young people an opportunity to lead. Just support them. Give me the squeegee guys. I might can't turn them into composters, but I can teach them how to turn squeegee into a business where they can respect the community and earn a fair wage in doing that as well. Again, another powerful statement from you. You're talking about social impact entrepreneurship, right? Creating your own business to contribute to the climate and environmental justice solutions that our communities need and what they deserve. So I appreciate that. And I appreciate your point about just these, what we call pathways of opportunity. So how can we be more engaged? And just saying in general for the audience, what can we do to create these pathways of opportunity for our youth? You're hearing today about food composting, but it's really more than just food comp. It's whole person development, right, Marvin? It's whole person development and mentoring and coaching. And so it's a lot that this composting work uh, can really do for individuals and for the communities. I just wanted just to hit on that note again. Now let's shift a little bit, Marvin, to talk about policy. You know, you mm -hmm. talked about the zero waste plan a little bit. Can you speak about the community-led just transition to zero waste and its connection to the South Baltimore Community Land Trust and the Fair Development Collective? How all those things are working together? And tell us more about the initiatives that are coming out, the work that y'all are doing. Legislatively, what we want to ask for all the residents of Baltimore City who know what composting is, composting is nothing but the decomposing of your organic material, like your food scraps, vegetable scraps, coffee grinds, tea bags, garden trimmings. You want to divert that from going into, and it decomposes into this beautiful organic material that we call black gold compost soil enhancer. What you can do to help us move this movement forward is create three waste stations in your house, one for your compost, one for your waste, and one for your recycling. If you do not have access to a service like ours, you can drop it off at the two farmers market, one at Waverly that's currently open and the one on the Jones Falls Expressway. We are asking along with the South Baltimore that the city provide a large scale composting facility run and operated by the residents who are affected by trash incineration. So we wanna pass legislation where there's once again, curriculum in K through 12, Baltimore city schools that has concentration in composting and recycling. Also, we want to divert all of that organic material that those schools create from K to 12. We want to have those diverted from going into the landfills and go to a large scale facility. We don't want to transfer that to Upper Marlboro. We need one for Baltimore City, but we're not waiting to be brought to the table. We're going to build an inclusive composting table 
for Baltimore City, where everyone will have access to composting, not based on your zip code or your financial status, but based on the environment. Compost, it will save the climate. Climate change is happening fast. We having floods in California. So this is one thing that we can do because we want to leave Baltimore a better place for our youth. I know my goal is to not hold on to leadership. My goal is to inspire the next youth environmental justice leader. My goal is to retire to my big man tiny house to, you know, sometimes you may not get to see the flower bloom. I might not see the end of administration, but I darn sure know I had a part of planting that seed. I know I watered that seed. I know I weed that seed. So it's going to be the next generation that's going to come prune that plant. So we move to anti-incineration. So we have to, I want to retire and have my big man tiny house, my rescue dog, my composable toilet, and my garden where youth can come to recharge when they're burnt out from this work and come talk to the yoga of composting to just listen to them and support them on the work and the efforts that they're doing. Yeah, you bad. I'm looking forward to that retirement as well. The Yoda composting. Yes, sir. And, and it, you also had me laugh when you were saying that just about, I always say my most important job is not the research that I do, it's training the next generation too. So that makes sure the movement is sustainable and durable. We got to have folks in the movement who come from different backgrounds, different experiences, being part of the fabric of change. So what you're saying is, for the audience to listen to this, he is creating fabric of change that these young folks are going back in the communities and being part of that fabric of change. So that's a very powerful message. You know, I want to get a little bit more into your background and history. You were a fellow, looks like the Open Society Institute yeah. Baltimore, a 2019 community fellow. Can you talk about the importance of that fellowship in your life and your education and access and how it helped you to do the work you're doing today. Big shout out to the Open Society Institute. I was a 2000 COVID-19 fellow. Big shout out to Miss Pamela King, who believed in this crazy bald head man who literally jumped up on the table and told them, all about composting and they believed in my dream of how I wanted to lead the youth and the community and feed the soul and feed the community. My mission for the operation for our Open Society Institute for my fellowship was to increase the knowledge of small scale composting to the affected youth of South Baltimore and Baltimore City. Within that internship, I was able to educate over 2,500 residents of Baltimore City and spread compost fever through the variant of education and go out and have the opportunity to work with the Office of Sustainability, Institute for Local Self-Reliance, and NRDC to create community composting drop-off sites through some of our amazing community gardens, such as Plantation Farm, Hidden Harvest, uh, strength to love. So we created three bin systems for them to create community compost drops off. Before then, I was just going around teaching, doing composting workshops, just being uh, part-time. I didn't have uh, health insurance. So being a part of the Open Society Institute Fellowship allowed me to network with some amazing people who I'm still working with. The fellowship is strong. I'm doing a video right now with Mr. Bashi Rhodes, me and Brian from Lakeland Steam Center, we are working to make composting infrastructure for the Lakeland community. I've been so blessed to work with so many amazing people, um, has gave me just a, a whole network to be able to teach them about composting and why it's important 
for the citizens and residents of Baltimore City. We know you've been working with uh, one of our early guests, Naja Brown, and also her husband, Gregory Brown, uh, specifically being a part of the Vegan Soul Fest. Can you tell us more about your work at the Vegan Soul Fest? What do you do? Big shout out to Naja and Greg and to Miss Brenda Saunders. I'm a vegan, so I remember uh, when Naja and Greg were grinding down at the Afram and the Baltimore City Fair. For those who can remember the Baltimore City Fair, they were selling citrus, rare, vegan shish kebabs. And it was my only option that I had for vegan food there other than rice and beans and stir-fried veggies. So thank you guys for grinding and making vegan food accessible to everybody and building that inclusive vegan table for Baltimore City. So what we did when we partnered, and I got to give a big shout out to Adam, who sorts all of that material at the Vegan Fest along with the Energy Justice Network, we provide a way station where our goal was to teach the residents about the appropriate place. One of those legislation that I want to just kind of piggyback on because it has a lot to do with what I'm going to say. We need legislation where manufacturers will make everything that they manufacture clear if it's composable, recyclable, or waste. So we went the last two vegan soul festivals, we have been very intentional on showing our residents where their compost materials go and diverting that, having that hauled to a, a large scale facility with veteran compost. They hauled that material to our large scale facility in Upper Marlboro. So we were going around educating people about composting, why it's important for us to separate all this material. People didn't know that material gets burned here that comes from Howard County and Baltimore County. So we're not going to win this battle if we don't educate people. Would I tell you seven years ago, me coming from Sandtown, Winchester, and living in Sandtown, Winchester, and Pendle, that I can take you downstairs to my worm bin, where I tell my friends that you have to put your banana peels and your fruit scraps inside of my worm bin and that my worms will then turn that into worm castings. One of the best natural organic fertilizers. So it all comes from education. People do better when they know better. So that's why at the Baltimore Compost Collective and the Vegan Soul Festival, we are intentional about spreading compost fever through the variety of education by providing those waste stations all around the vegan fest. So when people went to go drop their waste or their recyclable or composting material, it allowed us to have a dialogue with those people. And Vegan Soul Fest is working on being a zero waste model for Baltimore City when they throw events where we'll have these waste stations at these large events in Baltimore City where people will bring their own cups instead of using these one-use plastic materials, where people will bring their own containers and the vendors will give them a serving and put it in that container where we'll have wash stations, we'll have water stations. So, uh, so blessed to work with Greg and Nala and Brenda to move this effort forward. Thank you for that. Wow, doing a lot of great work. You said a little bit. Can you just kind of let the audience know what's the best place to start if you're looking to learn more about composting and begin composting? You, you said, again, your waste station. Yeah. Can you just give folks, again, just, sure. a, just a couple things, some sure. tips to start with? So, guys, um, my best resource and the resource that has helped me become a master composter 
and an environmental justice leader and told me that composting can make a difference in Baltimore if you provide the best practices for composting is the Institute for Local Self-Reliance located in Washington. If you go to their website, they will give you a tutorial how to start composting from the start of composting to the finishing when you're curing your composting, how to know when your compost is ready, how to avoid having issues with odors and urban rabbits. We know that we have an urban rabbit problem in Baltimore City, but if we divert that material, and for those who don't know what an urban rabbit is, that's nothing but a Baltimore City rat. That's just my term that I use because I work with businesses. I can't tell them when I'm picking up their compost, check your back, you might have a rat problem. But if I tell them, we may have to do some things to work on your urban rabbit issue that you're having in your backyard. So Institute for Local Self-Reliance has given me those tools through the trainer trainer program where I've been able to spread compost fever here in Baltimore and beyond. I've had the opportunity to speak at the Refed Conference, South by Southwest. I have been able to work with Detroit. Big shout outs to Detroit. Detroit has shut down one of the oldest, largest incinerators in the country, but they didn't have a structure put in place for where that material would go to after. So their landfills are being used in overtime. So I was able to go there through the trainer trainer program, the soil rebuilder program with Institute for Local Self-Reliance and work with my trainer to provide the first all black, black excellence composting training and work with them to get their community composting infrastructure working. So we continue to work with not only Baltimore City, but Chester, Pennsylvania, who looks just like Baltimore City, where you see this green line and where they have a incinerator that sits next to a soccer pavilion and a casino. Is everybody get me? Because down there on our skyline, as my from South Baltimore Land Trust, my environmental center sister, Miss Melanie Thomas says, that sign for Baltimore is not a welcoming sign. It's not a cloud maker. It is an incinerator and it's causing $55 million in damages to the residents of Baltimore City. So we must continue to fight this environmental injustice and this environmental racism that happens. Curtis Bay is a very culturally rich community, but one thing that we share is that we all are poor. So they put these industries in poor neighborhoods and use them for dumping grounds. And it's time for this environmental injustice to stop. And we can do it together collectively to advocate for large scale composting, work on ways where we do not have to sign that new contract with the incinerator, that we can find a more sustainable way to deal with our organic material. Thank you again, Marvin. That was powerful. And, and like you said, there's laws that we need and there's resources out there now. You got monies available through the bipartisan infrastructure law. You got the President Biden's Justice 40 initiative. And there's things that our new governor can be doing as well. So I would say people should be advocating, as Marvin said, for these laws, for these regulations, for compost, for the education. So I want to thank you uh, again, Marvin, for your powerful words. Again, audience, Marvin's from the Baltimore Compost Collective. Marvin, I mean, you ended in a powerful statement today. Any other thing else? No, I'm, else just going, I'm just going to start how I finished. Remember, compost. Learn so you don't have to burn. Starve the incinerator. Feed the soil. Feed the community. We can do this together. Recycle more Baltimore City. But it takes a collective effort to push us towards zero waste. Uh, thank you to all the youth out there who are making a difference from the South Baltimore Land Trust. 
my youth composters from the Baltimore Compost Collective and all those other amazing youth that are doing environmental justice work in Baltimore City. I'm looking so forward to passing this torch and watch you guys run with it and create a sustainable Baltimore for us all. Thank you. So we learned today about how you can be a vegan, you can be plant-based, you can be vegetarian, right? You can be a reductionarian. I think we heard it today that you got vegan soul and connection to, you know, our culture, the land of Kush, opportunities to grow our food just movement. Marvin just talked about these issues around environmental justice in South Baltimore, but how composting is a multifaceted prismatic solution to the issues of environmental injustice, of environmental racism, right? Multifaceted, prismatic. He talked about the youth. He talked about jobs. He talked about pollution, right? He talked about wellness. He talked about overcoming trauma. So this is what we talk about the environmental justice movement. It's a holistic movement, everybody. It's about what we live, what we work, what we play, what we pray, what we learn. That's why today we're talking about my block counts, your neighborhood counts, your community counts, your health counts. And food is a part of that. So this podcast, again, everyone, is an environmental justice podcast dedicated to helping people know so they can grow and help things flow in their communities. So thank you for joining us today. And thank you, Brother Marvin Hayes, who dropped that knowledge for us. See you next time. Dr. Wilson out. You've been listening to My Block Counts. My Block Counts is sponsored by the Center for Community Engagement, Environmental Justice, and Health at the University of Maryland. Executive producer and host, Dr. Sakobi Wilson, with production assistance from Ariel Wharton. Technical producer, Kelly Avent. Additional information about My Block Counts can be found at ceejh.center or wypr.org. New episodes of My Block Counts are released each month. Please share and subscribe wherever you get your podcast and leave us a review.